Turn to Matthew chapter 13 in your Bibles if you have them today. I hope that you do. Well, despite what it felt like this morning, spring is here. And for the most part, I'm glad, although my sinuses and allergies may disagree. But it is wonderful to see all the plants in bloom, especially those that we thought we lost in the great freeze earlier this year. But one of the things I'm I'm not crazy about seeing sprout up and bloom is crabgrass. Anybody can relate to the painstaking torment of crabgrass? It's a, it's a grass weed that looks like grass and it sprouts up in your yard and tries to overtake the good grass. And it's really difficult to get rid of. In fact, a large majority of my time, I'll spend in the backyard while my kids are playing and swinging, and I'll swing them, and I'll run over and try to grab a hold of one of the crab grass um, blooms and pull it up by the root. That's the only way to get rid of it. And so I'm doing that a lot. We've got a you know, pile of crab grass in the backyard. It's just a, a sad reality of this broken world. Crab grass will always be with you. I honestly thought, though, this year was going to be different. I really did. And here's why. We hired somebody to come and treat our yard. We got a professional to come out and to spray the yard at the exact right time in the the spring arriving season in the hopes that it would remove all the crabgrass from our yard. And I was really looking forward to just enjoying the backyard. I having to do a lot of work in the backyard. But lo and behold, even with the treatment, even with the expert coming out this year, we got crabgrass. So I called the people that we hired and I said, listen guys, I would just like to know what happened. Because I thought this year was gonna be different. I thought because you came, things were gonna be better. Look, if an expert comes and they know exactly what weed and feed to put down that specifically targets the crabgrass and we pay you good money to come spray, I thought the crabgrass would be, crabgrass would be gone. Easy for me to say. I thought it would be different. So why isn't it different? Some of you may be asking, Jerry, why are we talking about weeds? Why are we talking about grass? Well, I'm talking about weeds and grass because it's the language that Jesus uses to address a similar problem in his time. Jesus uses the imagery of wheat and weeds, of plants, to talk about the way his kingdom will grow. He's addressing a similar question from his disciples. Here's what they're asking. Jesus, I thought when you came, things were going to get better. You're the expert, right? You came, you did your work, and so everything's supposed to be great now, right? And yet it's not. Why why not? Why aren't things better? I thought the bad stuff would go away. I thought our enemies would stop coming against us. But you're here and bad stuff's still happening. Why? Have you ever asked a similar question? Maybe you thought when you came to Christ in faith, when you gave your life and repentance and believed to him, you thought or assumed everything would immediately get better. That all those weeds in life would be gone. And yet, there are still weeds. There's an enemy who still is coming after you, trying to steal your joy, assault your faith, overrun your yard. Why do weeds still exist if God's kingdom is here? And what is Jesus going to ultimately do about them as the king? 
If you've asked questions like that, well, friends, you are in luck because today and the parables that we will look at in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 43, Jesus gives us an answer. So let's look at how he answers this very poignant, timely question regarding the reality of weeds in the kingdom of God. We'll read verses 24 to 30 and then jump down a little bit. Here's what the word of God says. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then he went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How is it that we have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? He said, No, lest in the gathering of the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now let's jump down to verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Why are you talking about these weeds? And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin, all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like. You'll hear that phrase a lot as we walk through the section of Matthew that we're in, this section where Jesus is teaching through parables. And he's using parables, these kind of earthly stories, to give us insight into the reality of his heavenly kingdom. He wants to, to teach us. He's a good teacher, and he knows our need. He knows our in our limited understanding, we cannot grasp what it is that he is trying to build in the kingdom that he is building because we expected a different kind of kingdom, right? But Jesus is building a surprising kingdom, a kingdom better than we expected. And these parables are his, his tools to help us understand and the empowerment of his spirit what it is that he is doing in the kingdom. And the disciples need this, specifically this parable, because of a, a misunderstanding about the kingdom. A misunderstanding we see reflected in the parable itself in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 13, where the servants of the master house, master's house ask him this question we've been talking about. Master, if you sowed good seed, why are there weeds? Did you make a mistake? Did you sow the wrong seeds? If you sow good seeds, how in the world is it possible that there are weeds right alongside the wheat? Listen, the disciples assumed the kingdom of God would grow. They just thought it would grow in a very specific way. 
They thought it would grow in a way they could easily see it, very visibly and without resistance. But Jesus wants them to understand that their assumption is not true. There's a different quality to to his kingdom and the way that it will grow. And so he uses this parable to reshape their expectation. And he actually adds even two more parables to help even us even understand in greater ways the way his kingdom will grow. We see these parables in verses 31 to 33. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, small seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. It's a lot of flour till it was all leavened. So listen, I know you're worried about the kingdom. I know you're wondering why the weeds are here, but trust me, there is work going on. The kingdom is growing. It's just a little bit different than you expected. It's not free from resistance. There's a purpose for that. And it it may be slower than you think it should go, but I'm telling you, there's something special happening, something unique happening in this kingdom. You just need to pray for the ears to hear and the eyes to see what you could not see on your own. And the same thing is true for us today. We have the benefit of having this parable recorded for us for the words Jesus gave his disciples to be given to us today so that we can understand and have our expectations of the kingdom of God reshaped in alignment with what God intended in Jesus. And so this morning, let's, let's pray for ears to hear and eyes to see as we uncover these kingdom principles about the way that the kingdom will grow to make sure that our expectations are in alignment with the reality of Jesus and the kingdom that he is building. How is it that the kingdom will grow? Kingdom principle one. Let's just remember that God's kingdom will grow. It will grow. How will it grow? It will grow always until he returns. There's no question about this. We should not take it for granted that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is here and it will expand to every inch of the earth throughout time until Christ returns. Jesus has planted seeds and the harvest is coming. There's an assumption in this parable that when the the farmer returns, there will be a harvest because Jesus knows what he's doing. There is a kingdom that is being built. And listen, there may be times when we look upon the earth, when we look at the world and we think that nothing is happening in the kingdom of God. There may be times where we feel like even the kingdom is losing ground. But friends, I want you to know with confidence that Jesus is a good farmer and the kingdom of God is growing and nothing will stop it. Nothing will prohibit the kingdom of God from moving forward just as God designed. One day, what began small Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking? Listen, Jesus, we we just got a few people following us. There's just a a couple of house meetings. How are we going to come against Rome? How are we going to see the the Jewish people reestablished? How are we going to be able to conquer all of these things that are coming against us? Jesus says, have confidence, friends. What has begun small will turn out to be an enormous tree. 
You can't see it now, but the leaven of the gospel, it's spreading throughout the kingdoms of the earth. And one day you will be able to look out and see the kingdom of God rising. And aren't you grateful to be where we are in the course of history to be able to see some of this actually take place? Because what Jesus promised has come true. Can you think about with me just for a moment how the kingdom of heaven has grown upon the earth in the past 2,000 years? Foretastes of what we have seen in the Gospels spreading literally across the world. Think about what happens on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. When suddenly, because of the Spirit of God falling upon the earth, 3,000 souls were saved in one day. To this point, a few were converted here and there as they followed Jesus household by household. But now something new is happening. Thousands and thousands of people coming to faith in Christ. And then right thereafter, Acts 2.47, the Bible tells us that day by day, God was adding to their number those who are being saved. And friends, what began there in Acts chapter 2 has not stopped We see how the gospel has moved beyond the Jewish people, throughout the Gentiles' people. The the leaven is spreading. And it moved beyond the book of Acts through the known world, through the Middle East, through Europe, through North Africa, all the way down to Ethiopia, such that even in modern times, last year I was able to go early before COVID happened, to Ethiopia, climb a mountain with hundreds and hundreds of Christian brothers and sisters, like-minded brothers and sisters in Ethiopia, and worship King Jesus. Thousands of years later, it moved to North America, it moved to South America, even now it's exploding in Asia and Africa once again. The whole world is being touched with the gospel. The whole world is showing signs of the kingdom's expanse, even here in Irving. Even here, we see the kingdom of God rising. Who would think that God would be mindful of Irving, but he is, 117 years ago. Some people thought there needs to be a church here. And they planted a church. And 117 years later, here we are, reaching a new generation of people from every part of the world for the gospel. There was nothing here. But God uniquely planted people here to begin this and look. And it's not just us. There are many faithful, like-minded churches meeting today in the city of Irving, evidencing God's desire to see Irving reached for the sake of the gospel. This morning, just think about this, Plymouth Park Baptist Church, a faithful sister church, is meeting and worshiping Jesus. Oakview Baptist Church is meeting and worshiping Jesus. MacArthur Boulevard Baptist Church is gathering, worshiping, and, and exalting Christ. Christ Church, Irving Bible Church, Redeemer Church, there's so many churches in our area that are refuge, right, that are gathering today and exalting Christ because God has a desire to see these people know him and to worship him. The kingdom of God is growing and it will grow until he returns. Don't take that for granted. Even when you can't see it, even when you think we're losing ground, trust that God's kingdom is greater and it is growing. Secondly, kingdom principle two that God's kingdom will grow through his people. But the way, he's gonna, 
It teaches about the way it's going to grow. It's going to grow. Can't take that for granted. But the way that it grows is through people. I want you to look at something in the explanation of the parable in verses 37 and 38 of Matthew 13. As Jesus explains the, the characters in his story, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed, listen, is the sons of the kingdom. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The kingdom grows, according to Jesus, as the sons of the kingdom are revealed all over the world. As the gospel seed takes root in good soiled hearts, such that the people come to Jesus in saving faith and become the seed themselves. It's a stunning teaching from Jesus about the way the gospel spreads. Listen, it's very easy for us to think about the church and the spread of the gospel in disembodied means. Oh, the gospel will go forth. The church will be built. But that happens through people. It happens to people like you and me, who God opens our eyes to the reality of our need for him, our brokenness, our separation from a holy and righteous God, our future of destruction, if not for God's help. If he doesn't open our eyes to the way that he has loved us and shown us mercy and grace in Jesus, leading us to a place of repentance and belief. Jesus has planted people all around the world to push his kingdom forward. Do you realize what this means for global missions? There are people who are strategically positioned to shine forth the gospel light. Now, I want you to think about the, the parable of the soil that we had last week, how that interacts with the parable of the, the weeds today. As the people of God, the seeds of God's kingdom, we scatter gospel seed of that last week. We don't know the condition of the soil. We just know the responsibility we have to proclaim the gospel. So we're throwing out that seed, praying that there would be someone who has good soiled heart who would hear that gospel and respond. But what we know from this passage is that there are people who have good soiled hearts. There are people every part of creation who have good soiled hearts waiting for the gospel proclamation for them to respond so that in their particular parts of the world they can shine as lights for the sake of the gospel. Isn't that incredible? Even in unreached people groups, we can have confidence to know that there are seeds planted for the glory of God. We've got to be faithful to proclaim the gospel and see those sprouts of faith rise up one person at a time. That's how the kingdom grows. One soul at a time for his glory. This church exists because God planted us here and awakened us to his need. I want you to think about that this morning. You're not here by accident, friends. God planted you for the sake of the gospel right here in Irving, Texas. Now, he may spread you somewhere else for his kingdom purposes, but right here, right now, you're here for the sake of the gospel. The global church exists because of God's sovereign direction through his Son. God's people are the seed through which the kingdom will grow. Kingdom principle number three. God's kingdom is presently resisted. Now we're going to go back to the weeds, okay? 
Let's get back to the crabgrass. I haven't forgotten about it. I'll be obsessed with it later today. God's kingdom is growing, Jesus says, in surprising ways. But at least for now, there's also something else growing. There's also resistance growing. You see, an enemy has planted bad seeds that have captured hardened hearts. And the sons of the evil one are sprouting up right beside the sons of the kingdom, as we see in verses 38 to 39. And the question is, why? Why would God allow this? Why would you lead this here, Jesus? I thought when you showed up, everything would be okay. Well, it will be okay eventually. But between the two comings of Christ, there is gospel work that still needs to be done. And actually, we benefit from God's grace to us, shown in the restraint of his wrath. Be careful what you ask for. God, just get rid of all these weeds. Let's wait for the the perfect gardener to do his work at the perfect timing. Because there's something at stake here. Do you remember a couple of years ago we were walking through 2 Peter? Those of you here with us. And we arrived at chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. And here's what Peter wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. And and here the context is the day of the Lord, when God will come back and, and rain judgment upon the earth. But he's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Isn't that a good God? Listen, here's what Peter's saying. It's not that he's not concerned with injustice. It's not that he's not concerned with evil. It's not that he's not concerned about the weeds in your yard. He is concerned about that. But there's a larger redemptive purpose unfolding before us. And God is restraining his wrath against the weeds to get as many wheat as possible for the glory of God. One day, God will reign justice. He will remove all the causes of sin and lawbreakers according to verse 41, but at his right time. And I'm grateful. Listen, when I go out there in the crabgrass and I start pulling up crabgrass, inevitably, you know what I do? I damage a little bit of the grass around it, the good grass. I'm grateful that God knows exactly the right time to bring about this harvest in a way that will bring him ultimate glory. And kingdom principle number four, God's kingdom will win. Let's remember, though, that while God is patient, that patience will not last forever. God will fulfill his promise of justice, and he will separate the wheat from the weeds. Look at verses 41 and 42 again. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. Using the language there of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that story? They wouldn't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's image. And so he was so enraged that he made the the hottest fire known to man at that time. Such that the fire consumed his strongest people. But because Jesus was with them, they weren't concerned. They weren't consumed. 
But here Jesus is saying, listen, this fiery furnace is gonna be worse than Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace, and I'm not gonna be with you to protect you. There's gonna be weeping and gnashing of teeth there. The wheat will be gathered into the kingdom of God, safe, glistening in the glory of God, but the weeds will be thrown into that furnace. Any person, anything that resists the work of God will be accounted for. What you long for will happen, but there's gospel work to be done until then. So don't be discouraged, disciples. Don't be discouraged, followers. I know things look difficult right now, but listen, my kingdom is growing. I got people planted. It's going to surprise you what you find. It's going to grow. It's going to touch the ends of the earth. And even though it's resisted, it will ultimately be victorious. It's a good kingdom. Come be a part of it. So here's essentially what Jesus is teaching us about his kingdom. The surprising kingdom. This kingdom, it grows in surprising and unseen ways, even in the midst of resistance. And it will grow until the day when it has rightfully overcome the entire world. And Jesus sits on his throne. Here's the question. Same question of the disciples. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see the reality of this kingdom and its opposition? Are you willing to be faithful Trusting God even when you can't see everything. That's how we know we're really disciples, right? And he speaks to us in parables, verses 34 and 35, for this purpose, fulfilling the prophecy of Psalm 78, verse 2. Because when God gives us understanding, it's evidence of the fact that he's working in us and wants to use us for his kingdom. Now, how should we respond? How should we respond to this master teaching from Jesus about the reality of his kingdom? How can we live in light of these kingdom principles? Let me give you four ways to respond this morning. To walk in greater faithfulness as kingdom citizens of this heavenly kingdom. Firstly, let's think about our place before God and his kingdom. Let me ask the question this way. Are you a part of the wheat or the weeds? As with all wisdom literature in the Bible, you basically can only end up in two camps. Wise, foolish, wheat, weeds. Are you for the things of God? Are you advancing the kingdom of God? Are you opposing the kingdom of God? And what's difficult is sometimes the weed looks a lot like the wheat. Friends, hear me this morning. Only good-soiled hearts who have evidenced gospel response are truly part of the kingdom of God. Has there been a time in your life where you've responded to the gospel in repentance and belief? When you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead to be saved from the eternal condemnation that awaits? Are you evidencing the fruit of the Spirit in your life such that you begin to look more like Jesus. Because you're going to look like wheat. Or, are you opposing the things of God? Are you resistant to the work of God? 
Do not like the things of God. I'm praying the Holy Spirit would get a hold of your heart this morning. Soften that soil and let the gospel take deep root to the point where you would repent and believe in him for salvation. Are you wheat or are you weeds? Only two choices, friends. And listen, if you're weeds, that's a really terrible future that awaits. Fiery furnace, weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't want that for you. And God has displayed his patience to allow you to hear this message and respond. Would you respond before it's too late? Secondly, for those of us who are wheat and in Christ, let us rest in the certainty of the kingdom. God's kingdom is growing. It will grow. And I want you to hear me this morning. Nothing can stop it. Nothing will stop it. There is no threat to the kingdom of God. There's opposition. There's something coming against it. But there's no threat. There's nothing that can actually possibly stop it. You know what I mean? And listen, we get, we get in this kind of situation as Christians. Oh, Jared, I just don't know if the church is going to make it. This, this latest scandal, I don't know how we're going to overcome it. That, that, that leader that just fell, I, just, I don't know. That liberal ideology that's coming into the church, I just don't think we're going to make it this time. This government we have in place, I don't know that the church is going to make it. Friends, the church will make it. The kingdom will make it. Nothing can come against it. Nothing. Do you remember this, this promise later in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18? God said, Jesus says, I will build my church and consequently the kingdom and the gates of hell, hear me, will not prevail against it. Whatever, whatever the weeds are doing, they're not going to win. Right? Because God's kingdom will grow. Rest in that, friends. If you're in the wheat, God will sustain you, and there will come a time when he will take you into the Father's house. Rest in that. Thirdly, let's remember the temporary nature of the weeds. They seem big right now, but they're going to go away. The resistance seems big right now, but it will not last forever. My yard guy came back, and he said, you know what, Jared? Your ground's too hard. We had a lot of, we had a lot, a, lot, a lot of rocky ground where we live. And he said, you know what I need to do is I need to aerate the yard to soften it so that the, the poison can get to the root. And you know what happened? We did that, and he sprayed, and all of a sudden, all this crabgrass is starting to turn yellow. I think there's coming a day <laughs> when my yard is going to be free of crabgrass. I'm going to get to just play with my kids and enjoy the beauty because the work has been done and the soil was right, free at last from crabgrass. <laughs> Friends, hear me this morning. The work has been done. It may look like the weeds are growing, but the root's been touched. And there will come a day when God will send his angels and he will do the work of removing those weeds 
and you will bask in the glory of God for all of eternity. Don't, don't lose faith. Listen, it's tough because the weeds are all around us and sometimes we can't even tell who's weeds and who's wheat. It's all around, it's tough work, but remain vigilant because the work is worth it and we know who wins. Finally, let us aid in the advancement of the gospel. The gospel moves through people. Gospel conversation after gospel conversation, discipleship relationship after discipleship relationship. Who knows whom God's planted around us? Here's what I know, God's planted people around us. And I know that the, the, the work of the gospel moves through gospel proclamation. Who knows who God's planted here? Who knows who God's planted in that unreached people group? Who knows who God has planted in that country, in that nation? Good soiled heart, waiting for the seeds that they themselves become the seed of the kingdom as it grows in those areas. Let's commit ourselves, let's further commit ourselves, church family. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that, that lives and breathes evangelism and mission and disciple making. But let's increase that. Let's reach this people and, and take the gospel to the ends of the earth for the glory of God. Trusting that God will build his kingdom. Wherever you are, would you bow your heads? Spend some time asking the, the Lord to help you know how to respond today. One of those four responses or all of them in some sort of combination. How do you need to respond to the teaching of Jesus? Are you part of the wheat or the wheats? Although you would repent and believe in Jesus for salvation today. I don't want you to go into that furnace. I want you to go in the storehouse of the Father. Oh, but friends, those who are in Christ, don't be discouraged. Don't let the, the weeds of this world steal your joy or try to quench your faith. God's kingdom is advancing. The church is being built. The gospel is going forth conversation by conversation, moment by moment. All around the world today, people are joining to proclaim their love and devotion to God in Christ. And they will do that until he returns. And then we will do it together for all of eternity. Trust in that. When the weeds get big, remember God is bigger. When this kingdom of the earth looks overwhelming, remember Remember, God's kingdom will conquer it. Rest in that and continue to faithfully spread that gospel seed as the seed of God's kingdom yourself. And Father, may we await the day when that glorious harvest will take place and we get to see the way you have worked across the world and throughout time for your glory. What a glorious day that will be. 
We pray these things in the name of Jesus.